Welcome to Saturday Morning Dads. My name's Sean. And my name is Curtis. And today we're going to be talking about the 1992 classic Nightmare Before Christmas, available now for streaming from Disney Plus. Good old Disney Plus. They give us the good. They, they give us the good stuff. Disney Plus is that premium entertainment dealer. Oh, man, it's the it's the best deal of the century. I would say. Absolutely. Do you, you get the package deal with ESPN and Hulu? Nope. I already had those. I probably should though because I pay for uh, YouTube TV, which is basically cable. Um, it's like 80 bucks a month and I only watch sports on there. Yeah. Yeah. But sports are, they spread sports out over so many different channels that, uh, you kind of just have to have, that's the last remaining thread to cable TV. Yes. I cannot relate. I do not watch sports on TV. And if I did, it would only be football, which comes on over the air TV. Yeah. Got, got a digital antenna, so I'm good. I mean, this is America, isn't it? Yes. Football should be on TV on Monday nights. Well, you know. With Hank Jr. I'm just going to brag for a second about what a good dad I am. Okay. I used to be real big into football. I used to well, I used to be like participate in fantasy football leagues. Mm-hmm. And I would um, watch football games that weren't just the Cowboys. I'd just be watching some... Bengals versus Raiders because I cared about what the kicker did. And I would spend the whole weekend laying on the couch in my pajamas, just like vegging out and then maybe cook some pork chops. And then one day my daughter was like trying to get my attention and my wife was like, Hey, leave dad alone. He's watching football. And I was like, Oh crap. What have I become? What have I become? Yeah. Turn this off right here. And then, and then I stopped caring about football. You know what? Life's been a lot better. Maybe yeah. that's because I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'd say to all the Cowboys fans out there, life's better if you don't care about the Cowboys. That is absolutely true. Um, yeah, I've kind of fallen off of uh, football too here lately. Um, but I never, I, I never uh, was big into fantasy football. I played for like a one year and totally forgot about it and I ended up winning the league but I never <laughs> never changed my lineup never did anything I just had uh, I had the right players I guess but uh, <laughs> or you, you had no the other people in your league didn't care is what it was maybe oh uh, man I played with money on the line like I, I played I had a, a fantasy league with the guys I worked with at Best Buy and even as we all like grew up and stopped working at Best Buy and got real jobs and stuff we, we still kept this fantasy league going so. Yeah. Hey, I won a hundred bucks. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. Um, that was the beginning and end of my fantasy football coaching career. Now you coach little league soccer. Not, not little league. I coach four year old YMCA soccer. That's pretty little. Coaching, uh, is a very loose term. Yeah. It's, look. it's trying to keep four players on the field at, at any time just in the field sometimes too many players want to play and they all just run out there or but most of the time uh we only have one kid that really wants to play <laughs> and he's, it, he scores like 12 goals a game <laughs> really really <laughs> yeah yeah how, how many goals are the other team scoring oh like six okay. there's no goalie it's four on four no goalie um and he dominates because he a wants to be out there 
And B understands that you're supposed to kick the ball into the goal. <laughs> okay. And he likes to run. And uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's, he's amazing. Shout out, Robert. He's got a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, he does. At least, yeah. At least while the other kids are, you know, crying on the sideline. Yeah. Which half my team does, including my daughter. Well, that's okay. Crack. It's okay. It's totally okay. I mean, she's she just turned four, so I'm not expecting her to be a Cristiano Ronaldo or anything, you know? Well, give her till she's four and a half. Yeah, then I will demand that she uh, be Cristiano Ronaldo. So, did you have a good weekend? I did. I had a busy weekend. Man. Soccer games? Thankfully, no. We uh, We had a bye week. Nice, nice. <laughs> I think we were, we, we, we requested a bye week. Um, because my co-coach, I think, wanted to go to the Texas OU game. Nice. <laughs> oh, I hope he was a Texas fan. I think he is, yes. Good. I think he went. trounced him. Oh, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. But this is not a football podcast. This is a. No, this isn't even a sports podcast. No, but we're, we're talking about, we're talking about my week. This is my time, Sean. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you grief. Um, but yeah, my weekend, um, yeah, no soccer game, but we did go to the fair on Friday and it was, like I said, this is Texas OU weekend and the fair is utter insanity on that weekend. Um, so it was, it was packed, but we went at opening time, uh, actually before most of the stuff opened. Um, and we started eating at 9 a.m. with some uh, chocolate-covered waffle balls. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, it was good. My daughter ate one bite. Uh, they cost $8. Oh, well, so, who finished them? Oh, I did. Nice. I finished those. Um, that was one of the first things I trained my kids to do is like, when you have leftover food, dad, I will eat it. Do not throw it away. Yes. Like, Especially... Especially fair food. And then I had to learn, even when they bring me like some crusty, just half a bite, little left packet of um, applesauce, I still have to like say thank you. Like, you did the right thing bringing this to me, but then I will. You angrily throw it in the trash. Yeah. What is this offering? Yeah. Um, the, the one time I actually went to go eat with my kids at a breakfast restaurant. And uh, my, I guess my wife was there too. And they all ordered these huge meals with like pancakes and bacon and everything. And then the waitress asked me what I would want. And I was like, mm, I'm good. I don't want anything. I'm going <laughs> to eat all their food. You think these kids are each going to eat three pancakes, <laughs> sausage, egg, bacon? No, no way. So. Did you get it all? Yeah, I ate all their food. Nice. I ate probably 70% of the food that was ordered that day. You know, that's, that's part of being a dad. Yeah. Eating the leftovers. Free food that you pay for. Yep. Um, so anyway, we bought a lot more food that she didn't eat and, and that I ate. Uh, we went to some shows, went and saw the bird show. The bird show is great. Um, it has been exactly the same show for like the last 20 years, probably. Um, we saw the dog stunt show. We saw the, we went to the petting zoo. We did all kinds of stuff. Uh, so that was great, but we were there for like seven hours. Um, and then she had, we had two birthday parties. We had another, uh, someone took her to dinner for her birthday. So it was, um, it was a packed weekend. I'm tired still. It's Wednesday. I haven't recovered. 
Yeah, you need some naps. I need. I I took two naps on Sunday. You took, you got two naps on Sunday. They were really short. They're like ten minute naps. Oh, that's just a doze. It was kind of a doze. Yeah, we were watching something on TV, and I just I missed like ten minutes of the show. Yeah. Well, hey, did you watch uh, Nightmare Before Christmas? Um, I watched parts of it. Um, again, that's that's uh all you can hope for. Yeah. When you have a four year old, you know you um you get bits and pieces when they're interested, and then when they're not, they're like climbing all over you and wanting to change the channel to uh, some dumb Barbie show or something. What, what did you did your four year old <laughs> did June like it? Oh, she loves that movie. She likes Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas. Yeah. So we introduced her to it like. Um, last Halloween maybe, yeah. or maybe uh yeah, but and when I say we introduced her to it, I mean the movie it. Oh, that's a little. She did. Yeah, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. We didn't stop. Put the phone down. Don't call Child Protective Services. <laughs> you just read the book to her first. Yeah, I read her the novel by Stephen King. Yeah. Um. No, she, but she loves it. She loves the music. She loves, she likes spooky things. Um, and sh- she was never scared by it for some reason. Thought she might be, uh, but no, she loves it. Oh, that's awesome, man. My, uh, Max, uh, was terrified. I tried to get them to watch it with me last night and Max, like, deuced out in the opening song. Oh. He's like, nope, I'm out of here. Oh, man. I feel like, there's like a certain threshold, like if you show things like that to them really young, maybe they don't like have an understanding that it's supposed to be scary. So they just like think it's fun. Yeah. But then as they get a little bit older, then, uh, yeah, they know that it's supposed to be like spooky. Well, I think Max is still, is just like, why would I watch this when I can watch people play Minecraft? True. That's very true. Why why would you consume any media that isn't just watching some 21-year-old play Minecraft on YouTube? Oh man, that's just uh that's media gold right there. Yeah. Oh man, they do these really cool editing tricks and they talk real loud and clip the mics and it's uh, super exciting. Maddie Maddie watched a little bit of it with me. She liked it. Yeah, and then she was just tired. She was just like, "I'm going to bed." Wow. Well, there are words that my kids have never said. Well, you know, Maddie's pretty mature, you know. Yeah. She's going to be eight in a few days. Wow. Few weeks, few weeks. Wow. Yeah. She wants her ears pierced. Oh, man. Going to going to Claire's, huh? Oh, we're we're going to go to a tattoo parlor. Whoa. She's going to get a tattoo also? No, no. no. <laughs> but we're going to go to I've got a friend who is a tattoo artist, and we're going to go up to her tattoo parlor. If you get it done at a tattoo parlor, like it heals a lot faster and doesn't hurt as much. Yeah, you need to play a dad trick on her though. Take her there, and then um, when she's getting, while she's or after she gets her ears pierced, tell her that she has to get a tattoo. That that's that's the rules of the tattoo shop. Oh, you have to do it. You, if you get your ears pierced, you have to have a tattoo. Also, you know what? I'm not going to do this just in case she falls through with it, and then she like, oh yeah, she might wants, be into actually it. Actually, wants to get the tattoo because she probably would. Tattoos aren't cheap. Yeah, she probably, yeah, like a teardrop on her eye. Yeah, just go full post Malone. Yeah. Oh man, there's this kid who works at the sandwich shop down the street. He got a, he had a couple face tattoos, 
But he just got barbed wire, like thick, big barbed wire tattooed, oh, no. uh, like right under his hairline. It's about an inch tall. At first, I thought it was like a crown of thorns thing, but the more I looked at it, I was like, "That's just barbed wire." Oh no! Just got barbed wire. I was like, "That's gonna look so bad when his hairline starts receding." <laughs> oh, it's like. It's like, it's like when you're putting a tattoo on a video game player, and you can kind of like move it around. Yeah. But you accidentally move the barbed wire ring from your from your arm like onto your head. Oh and man. It's just like stretched across your head. I'm um, all I'm all for self expression. I'm not against face tattoos. I'm not like if somebody's like I'm gonna get a face tattoo. My immediate reaction is like, oh okay, cool, good for you. But also, I've never seen a good face tattoo. I've never seen a face tattoo where I'm like, oh, man, you made a good decision. No. That's because there's never been one. No. There's never been a good decision face tattoo. Other than, like, I know people get them for religious purposes and things like that. And that's that's a different story. But I'm just not, like... Uh, I'm saying, hey, I'm saying there maybe, maybe they're out there. I just haven't seen it. Like, there could be a good one. I just haven't conceived of. I haven't witnessed it. I can't imagine one. Um, and yeah, as you get older, what what's going to happen to those as they like droop down your face? Dude, you know who's got a lot of face tattoos? Post Malone. Post Malone has a lot of face tattoos. They're working out for him. They're more. He's more tattooed now than man. They're okay. Just quick side note. I got to tell you this. Post Malone. They're coming out with special collectors. Edition Post Malone Magic cards. Oh, they should. He's done. He's done more for the sport than anybody else. That's true. That's true. He's very helped normalize it. So I'm very. I'm going to buy them. I'm very excited. They have pictures of Post Malone on them. Brand new cards. That's awesome. He is now a character within the world of Magic: The Gathering. Whoa, that'd be that'd be crazy if he uses those in his in his deck. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sure. And then oh. when he lays them down, he's like, "You just got posted." A couple of years ago, for being such a good community member, Wizards of the Coast gave him like his favorite card that like is like the commander of his deck, Zer the Enchanter. They made a version of it, like an official card with his, his uh, the art with him on it. Oh, that's instead. cool. Instead, so he plays with that, and some people speculate. That if he were to ever sell that card, it would be the most expensive card in Magic. Because it's one of one. There's no other version of it. I'm sure it would. But yeah. he's never going to sell that. No, of course not. Unless he gets into serious financial straits. Yeah, or unless he like has some big scandal come out and it turns out he's a terrible person. I don't think so. Posty, Posty, we love you. Yeah, he seems like a great person. And we're, we're way off topic. We almost were on topic earlier. We were talking about... Oh, um, wait, let's bring it back. You know what would make a great Magic... Uh, Deck would be characters from the the nineteen ninety two film Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Absolutely, and you know who would in a live action version? You know who'd make a great Jack Skellington? Post Malone. He's got the vocal range. Yeah, but does he have the the height? Stilts. Does he have the the arm length? No, no. Arm stilts. Maybe they could just dub his voice. Over sound, or they could have uh, he could be the singing voice, much like Danny in this Elfman. movie, where they had a different singing voice than the speaking voice. Let me ask you about Danny Elfman. Okay, what do you know about Oingo Oingo? I know that they had a couple of uh, hits in the eighties. Oh, okay. Um, what were they? 
Boingo Boingo, they were they were just like a a uh, I don't know if they were considered new wave, but they were kind of part of that eighties uh you know, eighties rock new wave movement with really weird videos and kind of uh kooky lyrics and they were a little, they were a little bit silly, as their name would indicate. Oingo were Boingo. they as silly as the B fifty twos? No, and they were a different style of music too. B fifty twos were kind of a throwback to to like uh um go go music. But these guys were they, I mean they had some they definitely had some catchy songs. Okay. So um let's jump let's jump into our discussion here. Danny Elfman is very important uh to this movie. But let's just let's just describe the movie. I don't know if we need to go through the movie beat by beat because I feel like everyone's seen it. Yeah, you guys you guys have seen it. But I, I do have a couple I do want to just quickly lay out how I what what I interpret the arc as see if see if you on the same page as me. Okay. With like the the emotion behind it. Jack Skellington, he's the pumpkin king. He is the man when it comes to Halloween. He's on top of his game. Everybody loves him. Every Halloween he kills it. But he feels a little emptiness inside. Mm-hmm. A little boredom. A little boredom. Just there's something missing. So he discovers Christmas. He thinks, oh, if I can bring Christmas to people the way I bring Halloween to people, that'll bring joy and love. And that's what's missing is I need to bring I need to bring Christmas and this is, this is the thing that's going to fill the void. He goes for it. He gets everybody on board. He becomes Santa Claus. He totally screws up Christmas. He ruins absolutely everything. And he along the way was warned by Sally, who is a woman made out of leaves. And, um, he totally screws up Christmas, goes back, rescues Santa Claus, tries to undo his mistake. And then learns to just stay in his lane. And that happiness comes from within. And he, he ultimately learns that. Um, and then he then he hooks up with Sally. So they don't show that part, though. Well, they kiss under a moon. They do. Yeah. But yeah, they do that type of hooking up. Yeah. They do Disney hooking up. This is a PG film. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, I, th- I agree with that. I agree with that. So I think it's ultimately a movie that explores some themes that I think are pretty unique. Well, maybe not unique, but often associated with like an experience men, males have of feeling like they need to chase down the next thing, conquer something new to become happy, but ultimately realize that they need to learn, they need to learn to be happy from within and be happy with themselves and be happy with who they are to be happy and that achieving a new goal isn't what's going to make them happy. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I also, uh, I think that, um, you know, by looking, he was so, uh, he was so kind of, uh, obsessed with the hole that he had in his own life, um, and his boredom that he didn't really consider, Hey, Christmas is already taken care of. People are happy. Santa Claus is spreading joy. You don't have to kidnap him. And by kidnapping him, you ruined everything. So 
I think he learned to kind of uh, uh, consider other people before himself as well, or as well as himself. Yeah, and also I think um, Sa- I like Sally's arc a lot in, in the in the story. I don't think I ever appreciated it in previous viewings, but I definitely appreciated it last night. Um, or should appreciate what what she is going through and trying to warn Jack that this is going to fail, but the fact that Jack is just blind to her, to what she's trying to say, what he what she represents. That like, if he would probably be happy if he never did this Christmas stuff and just started up this relationship with Sally, but uh, she she tried to warn him, but he was just so blinded by his own ambition, by his own desire. Like he was so head, so much hubris, so yeah, dead set on taking was, over Christmas. He was obsessed that he couldn't see the truth that was right before him. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think that's a good assessment. I think that's a great assessment. Um, and yeah, he kind of put his own ambitions in front of not, not just Sally, but the whole Halloween town. Whole Halloween town. Cause they didn't want to be doing Christmas. They didn't, they didn't even understand it. And he, you know, that kind of put more distance between him and everybody else in the town. Like he was feeling kind of isolated and alone because he was feeling, like Halloween was not enough, but then by obsessing over Christmas, he was the only one who understood what it meant to him or what he was trying to accomplish. And that kind of put more distance and isolated him even further. Yeah. And, and you know, he didn't really um, get it either. He didn't really get what Christmas was about. No, he did not. It was just kind of something that he wanted he, to He, he wasn't wanted to acting conquer. in the Christmas spirit. He didn't want to go deliver toys to all the good girls and boys uh, to bring Christmas joy to them. He wanted to do it to, to, to fulfill a hole that was in himself. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's tons of good sight gags in this show. So many good sight gags. I mean, let's talk about, let's talk about um, kind of the technical making of this movie. It took three years to make this movie. Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, it's, I think it's still probably the best um, example of stop motion animation. Now, you said you can tell. I couldn't tell. I thought that they whooped it out in a couple weeks with pure magic. There's no <laughs> way. There's no way humans could create something so amazing. It looks so effortless. Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, so I, I saw a Tim Burton exhibit at the MoMA in New York a few years ago. Well, it's probably been like 10 years ago now, but, um, they had some of the maquettes and some of the, some of the sets, uh, from Nightmare Before Christmas. And they are, I mean, A, they're, they're big. They're pretty, they're bigger than you might think. I saw that the Christmas or the Halloween town is 24 feet wide. Yeah. And it's all one, like all of Halloween Town is one huge, like three dimensional set. And they like have to pull away different chunks to get the camera and the puppets in there. But all of Halloween Town exists as one, like 24 by 24. Was that there? Was that the exhibit? Um, I've seen that before, but when I was a kid. So it was like, um, 
it must have been pretty soon after they finished the movie, but I saw it at Disney World. They had they had parts of it on display. Um and it was really cool. I remember it being really cool. Um and very, very detailed. Um and yeah, just just the engineering um and ingenuity that that goes along with all the other uh problems that come with filmmaking and storytelling. Um you know, parts of that while you're watching it as an adult, you can really appreciate like, oh wow all the hard work and all the, all the creativity that went into it. Um, but yeah, seeing the maquettes and I think, uh, I think they had the, uh, the Christmas Jack Skellington and, and another one, uh, there at the MoMA. And that, that was really cool to see. I heard that there were about 200 puppets made for this and that they have a, they have little skeletons inside of them. Yeah. Yeah, and so they you get, yeah they articulate them and you know it's stop motion so they just you know each frame they move them a little bit and a little bit and a little bit twenty four movements twenty four frames per second yes that is why it takes three years to make this and they had nineteen sound stages going at the same time so they're shooting nineteen different scenes at the same time. And it still takes three years to make. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, cause you know, in a scene, Jack Skellington might be walking across and he's the main focus, but you've got all this other stuff happening in the background as well. So you have to not only make the movements for Jack make sense, but everything that's happening in the background also has to move at 24 frames per second. And you have to track and make sure you know where everything is going and that, uh, on a good day, on a good day, they could produce 30 seconds of animation. Yeah. It took forever to make this movie. Did you ever watch Parks and Rec? Uh, I've seen some Parks and Rec, yeah. Um, so I won't go into details, but there's one, one, one of the characters like has a leave of absence from work. And he's like a kind of a, a nerdy guy. And he decides that he's going to do stop animation. He like comes up with a concept for a stop animation cartoon and he's off of work for like three months. Yeah. And he's like obsessing over this thing and it like kind of shows him like creating everything and like, <laughs> and then at the end, uh, at the end of his leave, he's like, he's still kind of like obsessed madman and he shows his friend like, look what I've been doing. It shows like, and he's done like two seconds of animation. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, who directed this movie? So, this movie was not directed by Tim Burton. Not directed. Yeah, I was surprised so, by that. Um, like, when the movie finished, that was the biggest surprise. When the first title card comes up, it says directed by Henry... Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck. Who's no slouch. I mean, he's he's kind of known for animation and specifically stop motion animation. So, he also did James and the Giant Peach and Coraline. Um, so he's kind of, um, you know, he kind of became a master at, uh, and you know, by doing one of these movies, you automatically become a master yeah. <laughs> at it. Uh, you know, three years of doing something like that is, uh, is you get a lot of experience, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I read that there's kind of a debate on like, whose movie is it? Is it Henry Selick's or is it Tim Burton's? I think it's Tim Burton's because Tim Burton apparently wrote, he wrote the story 
wrote the screenplay. Um, but he wasn't there for most of the production. Well, he had designed, he designed the characters in mm-hmm. the world. And so much of this movie is the characters yeah. and is the design and the feeling, the texture. And that, that's all attributed to Tim Burton. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely visually you can, I mean, it's got his fingerprints all over it. It, it, Nobody else could make something like this. Right. And I I think also, um, he, he, um, worked with, uh, so the way I understand this work, right? He didn't have, they were already shooting or they were, they, they had, they were about ready to shoot. They had produced all the puppets. They produced the sets. They're getting ready to shoot, but the script wasn't done. And so, um, and Danny Elfman was like ready to write the music, but he didn't have what to do. So Tim Burton goes to Danny Elfman and shows him like his concept art and like a rough draft and, and the, he writes the songs mm-hmm. and one at a time. He writes the first song and then shows it to Tim Burton. Tim Burton's like, great. And then they start animating that first intro song. And then Tim Burton comes back and kind of tells them what happens in the next scene. And they write that song. And then that's kind of how the, the songs were done before the script was done. That's kind of incredible, because, especially considering how much of this movie is songs. Yeah, it's a it's a true musical. I mean, it's it's like a Broadway musical, and and the songs are not like, you know, last week we talked about uh, My Little Pony and how the songs were just kind of fluff. Fluff, yeah. Uh, these songs are driving the story, uh, almost, and they're driving like half the story. Oh, more than half. I'd say like the if something important is happening, it's in the song. Yeah, they're singing it. It's very, there's very little, like really only the mayor is the only one that taught that the mayor probably has the most lines because Jack is almost constantly in song. Yeah. Jack, Sally has a big song. Um, I guess the, the scientist, Dr. Finkelstein or whatever his name was. But you know, I love, I love pausing it and getting that timestamp when, um, the like inciting incident happens where the action kicks off. When Jack is at the Christmas door in the trees, yeah, he opens that. We're only we're only at thirteen minutes. Yeah, well, and and, be, and we've already had two major songs. Yeah, it opens with the the you best know, song of the, the whole all, movie, all time banger. This yeah. is Halloween. This is Halloween. I mean, great song. And then throughout that song, you're introduced to basically all the characters in Halloween Town, all the wackiness, all the wackiness, all the stuff that they're up to, and then you know toward the end of the song you are introduced to Jack Skellington and uh, you quickly realize that he's, you know, he's the king of Halloween. Yes. He's the man. And everybody in Halloween town reveres him, even the mayor. Yeah. Um, The mayor is just an elected official. That's right. He's a, he's a puppet. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Jack is the man, but then he's sad and he has his, he has his sad song. Yeah, he has his lament. Yeah. Another another Halloween. But Boy, yeah, that song that song tells you why Jack is bummed out. Yeah. So already you know Jack is the king of Halloween. He's the man, but he's not satisfied. Yeah, he's bummed out. And that's kind of the and that's before there's any spoken lines. Just before yeah, before there are any spoken lines. Yeah. So thirteen minutes in, we've had two songs. 
and we're already at the inciting incident. Well, I, I think after the first song, you get that one scene with uh, Sally and Dr. Finkelstein, right? Where right. she, where she escapes and then him. goes and, and she follows Jack. So there's that scene between the first two songs. But yeah, once and then, yeah, he's off and into going down to Christmas Town. But yeah, so the, the, they started on the music before the, the script was even written. And then from what I, from the YouTube videos I watched, it seems like the rest of the script, Tim Burton kind of pieced together around the songs. But this was an idea he had already had in his head for like 10 years. Yeah. This wasn't a new idea. Yeah. So he, apparently he wrote a, like a nightmare before Christmas or a, a Twas the Night Before Christmas, but he wrote it as a poem um, while he was an animator at Disney. And that's kind of where it all grew out from. And he Disney pulled, said, this is trash. Get out of here. And then he went and made Batman and Scissor yeah. Guy Hands. Scissor Guy Hands. That's going to be the next pod. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, he goes and makes all these wonderful movies. And then he's like, hey, Disney, you still technically own this thing I love. Can you let me make it into a movie? And they do. And also, I didn't know this. The movie was not successful upon initial release. Well, when did they release it? Did they release it at Halloween time or at Christmas time? I don't know. Let you me want, see. You want to Google that? I'm, uh, I'm you, on. You Google that. I'm going to share the next step here. So it was not commercially successful in theaters, mostly because Disney did not give it an advertising budget uh, that it deserved and didn't really make a big push for it. They thought it was kind of weird, so they didn't want to like make a big push for it. But then it goes to VHS and back in the nineties, VHS sales were a, a huge part of Disney's business and it does just gangbusters on VHS. And so Disney was like, Oh, this is, this is awesome. It's a cult classic. It's a holiday classic. So the next year it does awesome on VHS. And then Disney's like, Oh, Tim Burton, you got to come back and do a direct to VHS. You know, Disney back in the nineties was all about direct to VHS, um, sequels. And so they offered him a ton of money to come and do a sequel, but he turned it down because the man's got integrity. Yeah, for sure. And, and he didn't want to spend another three years of his life working on some puppets. Well, I saw that, um, I read on the most reliable source, on the internet, uh, IMDb trivia section, um, that Disney wanted to do the sequel as, uh, as CGI. Oh, really? And Tim Burton said, absolutely not. Oh, okay. Um, he put the kibosh on it, as they say, uh, which good for him. Cause would not. that would, that would not be the same. That would lose most of the magic. Absolutely. Not everything can be CGI. Come on. No. I mean, I guess now it is. D- Disney should actually probably start making more CGI stuff and less real life stuff. Well, their real life stuff is mostly CGI already. That is true. <laughs> live action Lion King. Give me a break. There was nothing live action in that Lion King. No. Um, so the the movie was released... Uh, October 13th okay, or so October 29th. Oh, uh, so it was a Halloween release. Oh, like right there on like the weekend of Halloween. Yeah. Which I think that's probably, that's probably what I would have done. 
Yeah, I think so. I probably would have gone like October first because it definitely yeah spooky month this year. Yeah, Halloween. Yeah, October 29th, People are already. I'm already over Halloween. Yeah, or they're um, you know they're going to see like scary movies. Really? Yeah, really. Well, children, but apparently nobody really knew anything about this movie because they didn't advertise it. I remember a lot of advertisements about it, but maybe that was for. Like the DVD release or something. Yeah, apparently they got super behind the physical media release, and that that did awesome, and they, they made so much money off that. Yeah, they, and, they loved it. And now it's one of those that you watch. You know, people watch every year. Have to watch it every year. I mean, as a filmmaker, that's that's got to be like a a goal that's up there, right? Creating a holiday classic. Well, create, oh, oh, I mean like Mariah Carey's going to live forever. Yeah. Her Christmas song. She could have not done any other songs ever. And she was, yeah. And did now you, her whole career is just know, like doing Christmas specials. Did you know Mariah Carey did a, a punk album? I did not. Back in like the early nineties before she was a pop princess, she was in a punk band and, um, there, the she did backup vocals uh, for this band, and the album like totally flopped. But there was a version of it where she did the lead, lead vocals. Oh, really? And it was unreleased and unheard, but uh, people think it's probably pretty good. Um, and uh, she wants to release it. She's working on getting it released. But it was like her. She recorded it just a few months before she recorded. Um, what was the name of her first album that had like 13 platinum hits on it or whatever? Mariah's first album. I forget what I it's know. called, but it, it goes hard. Oh, she was, uh, I mean, she's doing all right for the rest of her life. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, her Christmas album gets played so much I during Christmas. It's, it's the first Christmas song you hear every year. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, it's the one that you get sick of, or at least I do. Yeah, you do. I know. Yeah, that one, All I Want for Christmas is You. That, yeah. I love that song. It's a oh, great song, but. You're going to hear it in Starbucks like later today. Yeah, yes. It's almost for sure. Time. Um, but yeah, to do that or, you know, um, like Christmas Story. I don't even know who did that movie, but, um, or Christmas Vacation, you know, or these, Elf or Elf. Oh, John Favreau, man. John Favreau's killing it. Just he's got he's got a Christmas classic under his belt, and he directed Iron Man, and he directed Chef, and Swingers, and Swingers. Um, John Favreau, I love John Favreau. He's a great man. Yeah. Um, I love Chef. Chef's a great show. Great. I, I haven't uh, seen. Have it. you seen the TV show? No, I haven't. Have you seen the movie? No, I haven't. Oh, you should watch the movie. The movie's really good. And then the TV show is more of like they go around and uh and and make stuff. Make it's like more of a cooking show. I've seen surprisingly few movies to be a guy hosting a movie podcast. I've well, seen but a lot you've, of kids movies. You've seen all the movies that we're talking about. I've seen a lot of kids movies. Yes. I mean, we're not like. If you haven't listened to the first episode, go back, listen to the first part of the first episode. There is a, a disclaimer. We're not movie guys. I actually edited all that out. The first, never four, mind. When, the first 14 minutes of that first episode, 
are lost forever. I had to delete them because the audio was so bad. Oh man. Just well, re- forget what I, I just lied. I just lied to people. Don't. Yeah. Listen to that episode. It's still a good one. I forgot you had to do that. Um, all right. Hear me now. We're, we're not movie experts. We're not movie critics. Um, we're not overly critical of movies, but we watch a lot of movies with our kids. So that's what makes us qualified. That's what makes it fun to do this because there's a, you know what? There's a ton of podcasts out there with movie guys talking about movies. We're not movie guys talking about movies. And most of those, they're talking about bad movies. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Bad movies are easier to talk about. They are. Because it's easy to make fun of them. That Pinocchio episode was pretty good. That was a banger episode. We're just dogging on Tom Hanks the whole time. Yeah, well, Tom Hanks needed needed to try a little bit harder, I think. So, anyway, Jack Skellington. Here's a little interesting fact for you. The guy who played Jack Skellington did did not sing his songs. No. So, yeah, Danny Elfman sang the songs. Danny Elfman sang the songs. And Chris Sarandon was the voice actor. And Chris Sarandon was... Humperdinck from uh, Princess Bride. Oh, really? Yeah. Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck. Oh, awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, Dis- Disney said Danny Elfman can sing the songs, but he can't do the voice. We need a real actor to do the voice. Good call, probably. Uh, well, it's not like he had any lines. <laughs> he just sang the whole song. He just sang the whole time. He was just yeah. singing songs. But apparently they chose Chris Sarandon because his voice sounds like Danny Elfman's singing voice. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I never knew. I would never would have guessed that it was two different voices. I know that's what they... I know they do that in cartoons sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't think they would have done it for this. So let's talk about the songs more. I know we already talked about kind of how they drive the story, but uh, let's just talk about how good the songs are. Yeah. There's so many great songs on here, and... Um, I'm not a big musicals guy. How, what's your stance on musicals? Oh, love musicals. Big musical fan. Okay. I, okay. Th- I, I look at uh, musicals like action movies. Like, I know they're made more for fun than they are made for some to get across some kind of um, artistic point. I mean, they still do that. Yeah. But they they're made they're made for fun, and I and I like musicals because you just got to think of like when the in action movies when the emotion gets too ramped up when there's too much emotion they start shooting each other in a good action movie and in a good musical they just start singing it's at each other singing at each other and then and then but musicals actually go a step further because then when there's too much emotion to even sing they dance. Yeah. So I'm not going to say all musicals are good, but I'm willing to give any musical a chance. Or in West Side Story, they sing, they dance, and they shoot at each other. Yes. All, all time great. All time great. I, I will say that I loved uh, Steven Spielberg's version of West Side Story. I've not seen the other, the, the older version, but um, I'm sure it's great. Yeah. I haven't seen Spielberg's West Side Story. It's great. It's, sure it's very it good. Um, oh. I guess, I guess musicals, obviously. Um, I mean, have you heard of Lynn Manuel Miranda? I have. Everything he, he touches. Well, 
He's hit or miss with me. Everything he's done is. What's that one that he, the Cuban, uh, Cuban monkey, a Cuban monkey one. Oh, uh, monkey. I don't think it was called monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do. I was not a fan of that movie. Oh, or the man. songs in that movie. So uh, there's sometimes Lin Manuel Miranda. He works so much now that he's got to phone in some of his stuff. Uh, yeah, that was he his Sony some, work. That he, was he grabbed some one, stuff off of, off the floor. And that one was for Sony. That was a Sony movie. Now Disney, he did Encanto. Great music and great Encanto. music there. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's not gonna, he's not gonna phone it in for a Disney major release. How, how great would a Danny Elfman, Lin Manuel Miranda collab be? I think their musical styles would clash big time. They could, yeah, but Danny Elfman doesn't have a defined musical oh, style. Contraire, mon frere. He did the soundtrack to Batman. Yeah, which sounds a lot. There is, there was a, like a little, uh, piece of music in, that I was watching uh, when I was watching this I was like oh wow that sounds exactly like Batman um, mm. but if you listen to like Batman and the intro to the Simpsons uh, he has a definite style definite oh, like tempo I think of him as being versatile and being able to do uh, whatever whatever is needed for the, the style of film well I think he can but I think he is more I mean, he's perfect. His style is perfect for Tim Burton movies, which is why I guess Tim Burton uses him in every single movie. Right. Um, but it's kind of that quirky. I mean, Beetlejuice, I just watched Beetlejuice and it's, uh, same thing. Like you can tell, like, oh, the guy who did Batman did this. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he, he, he's done a broad range of stuff too. Did he help Prince write the Bat Dance? I can't imagine that Prince would let anybody help him write anything. <laughs> <laughs> the Bat Nance is pretty good, though. Yeah. Yeah. But was it Prince's low point? Yes. <laughs> it was the worst thing Prince ever did. I agree. Uh, I remember that being on a top 10 radio the, radio show, every show on the radio, top 10. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, the best top song to ever have a tie-in with the Batman movie? Seals kissed by Rose. Oh, that is a great song. Can't beat it. Um, but yeah, how did you feel about this as a musical? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Same here. Same here. The dancing and the choreography were amazing, which is saying a lot considering it was puppets. The visuals and spectacle that went along with the music. Uh, I love Oogie Boogie's whole. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a bluesy, uh, like New Orleans, New Orleans, but it's, it's got all these, uh, kind of voodoo vibe gambling stuff. It's yeah. Oogie Boogie's a, he's an interesting character. I feel like, um, the only weak song is, um, Sally. Yeah. And I think it's just cause it's probably, a more of a heartfelt, slower song. Right. And we like the more raucous. I like uh, the bangers. The bangers. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, you said 13 minutes, he goes to Christmas Town and immediately sings another uh, amazing song. Yeah. What is, awesome. what is what's this? this? What's this? 
I I love walking into my house when it's messy and my kids have their toys everywhere. Yeah. And going, what's this? What's this? Pick this crap up. What's this? What's this? Get this truck out of here. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. Danny Elfman helping you, helping you parent. Yeah. It's great. Danny Elfman's great. I don't say crack to my kids. That's just, that's just kind of my head. <laughs> now you're going to do that though. You should. I was censoring myself. You don't want to know what I really say to him. Ooh. Ooh. All right. I'll put the phone down. You were getting. Was it? I'll put the phone down to CPS. Oh. <laughs> um, I was trying to find out the, the name of that movie. That the Cuban monkey O movie. Are, are you still <laughs> yeah, but I forgot what I was looking for. So oh. I've just been kind of like digging around on I, Lin-Manuel Miranda's IMDb page. Um, but Oogie Boogie, speaking of Oogie Boogie, Vincent Price was supposed to be the voice of Oogie Boogie. Um, Vincent Price, the uh, acclaimed creepy voice man, creepy voice man from Thriller, uh, also from countless horror movies, uh, House on Haunted Hill. And I think other it would have been a mistake. Well, they recorded it and apparently his wife had just died and he was in bad health. And uh, his voice was just so weak they couldn't use it, uh, which was really it's really sad. And then he died like a few days after the release of the movie, I think. Oh wow! I think even at the height of his powers, it would have just been wrong. <laughs> well, for the kind of character, maybe they were trying to do a different style. Well, no, if they did the voice, if they recorded the voice, yeah, for the style of character, yeah, his voice wouldn't seem. Right. No, whoever did voice Oogie Boogie nailed it. Yeah, it was great. It was Ken Page. Ken Page, not Ken, not Kenneth the Page. Not Kenneth the Page. Ken Page. Kenneth the Page, love that guy. Yeah, he, I, th- I thought he was Jiminy Cricket. You did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he would have been a great Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, he's the bad guy in a PBS movie called. Odd Squad that my kids love. Oh, he's the bad guy in that? Yeah, he's the bad guy. He's so good. <laughs> he's funny. He is funny. Well, I think it's time to... Uh, well, did you have any more trivia? Uh, no, I think that was all I, all all the interesting stuff that I came across. Well, I, I just have one last thing I got to say. There is a sequence in this movie... Um, where the the citizens, the denizens of Halloween Town, are getting the uh, Christmas presents ready, yes, and like getting Christmas ready, and it's cutting back and forth between the elves and Santa's workshop, and the, and the the analog or the analog like the uh, what's the word I'm looking for analogous analogous version of that in Halloween Town, like filling up the socks with spiders and stuff. Yes. Anyway, that's just one of the best sequences in cinema. It's so good. It's and they're so singing good. an awesome song, too. Oh, just oh, so many awesome songs. Um, oh, I was going to say, um, you can definitely tell the uh, uh, the Grinch Who Stole Christmas influence on uh, on this movie, too. Oh, one of the things that I watched, um, heard it straight from uh, the man Tim Burton's mouth himself saying he wanted to do a reverse Grinch. And then, like... Yeah, how's that a reverse Grinch though? Well, I guess instead he, of instead of Jack, he wanted to wanted, do Christmas. Wanted to do Christmas instead of steal Christmas, but he kind of ended up stealing Christmas. 
Yeah, and it, unintentionally. Like, but also very intentionally because he kidnapped Santa Claus. Did you learn anything from this movie, or did you just have a good time? I mean, learn anything as in, like, find out something about myself that I didn't know yeah. before? Yeah, did you grow as a human being from watching this art? No. That's okay. No. Did you? I, I feel like a mirror was held up to me in the... And from now on, I'm going to be very um, cognizant of my hubris. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, I... Don't chase that, that whale. One of my great goals in life when I become a little older and get a little more gray hair is to become a mall Santa. And I'm just going to be real, real careful when that day comes. Yeah. Because it's coming fast. Yeah. You, uh, yeah, you just gotta, <laughs> gotta check your ego. I check my ego at the door. You gotta listen to the sallies of the world. You're not the real Santa. Not the real Santa. I mean, if I'm lucky, I'll get to be like a Macy's one. Those are pretty top-notch Santas. Oh, man. The North Park Santa? Oh, yeah. North Park. The yeah. Neiman Marcus one. Yeah, that you know, guy is an all-time snow globe. All-time great. Man, the one, the guy at Neiman Marcus, I saw him last year. That dude's like seven foot tall. Is he really? He was huge. He was a gigantic man. Why is a little scary Santa Claus? Because Santa Claus is kind of scary anyway, but to have a seven-foot Santa Claus? I like a little plump Santa. Yeah, like a short, round like these, Santa. I don't like these giant... Nordic king sex Santas. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. What, uh. You gotta rate the movie. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. How many out of five, uh, spiders? Now, I really feel limited by the system of five. Um. You can give halves, though. You can give a half spider. Well, then that's just 10, isn't it? That's 10. Oh, I'm going to give it a perfect 10. I'm oh, we're give, going to 10? We're going to 10 this time. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a full perfect five spiders. I'm going to give it a five deadly nightshade potions. Oh, that's a better rating system. Yeah. Um I'm going to give it 5 as well. Um I think it's a pretty perfect movie. Yeah, I would oh, I would say it's top notch. I mean, it's 30 years old and it's still going. Yeah, I mean, every year. great story, great characters, great design, great uh, technical achievements, great music. It's under 90 minutes, which is great for a kid's movie. We're not trying to do, uh, probably over like, we can't do anymore. It's probably, <laughs> we'll add, it'll probably add another year to the production to make it a full two hours. It's probably the only movie I will watch. Every year of my life, for the rest of my life. Wow. Just practically speaking. But you got two shots at it every year. You can watch it at Halloween or you watch it at Christmas. Oh, I was going to ask you, do you consider this a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Halloween movie? I do too. I usually watch it around Halloween. Probably because the opening song was called This Is Halloween. But that's at Halloween. But then the rest of the movie is about Christmas. You can watch it anytime in November. How about that? That's kind of a genius move yeah, in this it's, movie. It's secretly a Thanksgiving movie. There's only one Thanksgiving movie, and that is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with that's John a, Candy. That's a very good movie. Yes. Um, but it's the only Thanksgiving movie in existence. That's not true, I'm sure, but uh, it's the only one that I know of. 
But I, don't you think it's kind of genius to be like, uh, I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a holiday classic, but it's not just one holiday; it's two holidays. Just, yeah, yeah. And they nailed it. They nailed it because I sometimes I do watch it at Christmas. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna say that I can't. I'll, uh, Lord of the Rings, Christmas. Oh, well, I'll watch Lord of the Rings any time of the year. But that's kind of when they were released, right? They were all released around Christmas, right? So that's kind of and to watch. Um, but but even then, I'm just saying I don't watch those every year. Oh no, I probably watch them every other year. I do enjoy watching them frequently. They're my favorite movies, but. There's no other movie. There's no Christmas movie that's like, oh, I gotta watch this movie this Christmas. Mm. Like Elf, maybe every other year. I don't have to watch Elf every year. There are movies that I watch every year. So I watch Halloween every year, the original John Carpenter movie. Um, I watch it at Halloween. Makes sense. Um, I watch Nightmare Before Christmas every year. I watch Elf every year, and I watch uh, Christmas Vacation every year. Well, I, I think that um, I don't do any of those things. I admire your uh, regimented movie-watching annual calendar. Yeah. Um, thanks. Thank you. I watch, I watch The Patriot. <laughs> on 4th of on July? On 4th of July. I actually watched The Patriot with my family in the theater on the 4th of July. Oh. So did I. And there was a guy in the movie theater who wasn't quite, um, who had some learning uh-huh. differences in learning methods, let's just say. Okay. It's a nice way to say it. He was really into it and he kept like cheering and yelling in the movie theater. It was, it was, it was, it was endearing. It made the movie going experience better. But when he throws the tomahawk in the guy's forehead, uh-huh. the dude stands up and goes, bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> And everybody in the theater started clapping. Oh, that, that's sweet. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, throwing a tomahawk into somebody's face is not sweet, but. Uh, <laughs> that was my favorite movie going experience. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I also saw Independence Day on Independence Day with my family in the theater. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah that's a good one. That was a great. That was one of my top movie going experiences. Um, but, yeah, in your viewing of The Patriot, did everybody stand up and seeing uh, Lee Greenwood's I'm Proud to Be an American at the end? No. Did that happen in yours? No. I was just wondering. I don't even remember that song being in there. Was it's, it in there? It's not in there. No. Okay. That uh, seems out of place. <laughs> um, all right. I'll watch, I'll watch The Passion of the Christ every Easter. Big Mel Gibson head. Oh, watch, yeah. You watch, watch Braveheart Mel, every uh, watch, Scottish Independence Day? Oh, mm-hmm. I'll watch... Scott, I don't think Scotland gets an independence day. Scotland's they are not, not independent. They are not independent. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, Scotland. Uh, I watch um, uh, that one where he's the cop and the other guy's like, I'm too old for this. Lethal Weapon? Yeah, I watch Lethal Weapon uh, every Second Amendment day. Every every Arbor Day? Every, every Arbor Day, <laughs> yeah. I watch uh, Mad Max Fury Road every Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, that is a good one for Valentine's Day. Or not Fury Road. That's that's not the one with him in it. No, Mel Gibson. Welcome to the Thunderdome. Yeah, Thunderdome. Yeah, Beyond Thunderdome. That was a good movie. Road Warrior. Road Warrior. Man, see if this podcast takes off and we start getting a Patreon, we gotta do Patreon bonus content. I think we need to do just for Daddy. Yeah, Dad's Night. Dad's Night, and we review 
Beyond Thunderdome. Where we basically Escape review New York. 80s and 90s action movies. Yes. I want to do Escape from New York. What do you think is better, Escape from New York or Escape from L.A.? I've never seen Escape from L.A. Oh, really? But Escape from New York is all-time classic. John uh, Carpenter. Kurt Russell. I love it. Yeah, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell also plays Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I uh, did not like that movie. <laughs> was Santa Claus Chronicles or something like that? Santa Claus Chronicles. Number, the second one was bad. The first one was okay. I will say that Kurt Russell makes a good Santa Claus. I'm telling Santa Claus. He's a very likable yeah. human being. And then, oh, who did they have as Mrs. Claus in the second one? Um, Mariah Carey. No, it was some... Was Susan it her- Sarandon? Was it? No. Wasn't Susan? Was Sarandon. it like an eighties actress? It was like an it was like an eighties heartthrob, uh, blonde lady. Um, anyway, shall I look we'll figure up? that out. We'll yeah. come back with you that's for a, that next that, week. That's for a different pod. That's for a different pod. We've we've successfully talked about um, the Nightmare Before Christmas. And I'm glad you were here yeah. to enjoy it with us. If you're an absolute maniac and have never seen this movie, um, Go watch it. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, wait. Chris, you got to take us out on our famous catchphrase. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, wow. Um, uh, Eat a healthy... uh, um, Saturday morning dad's part of this complete breakfast. Oh, that that was great. Yeah. We're going to stick with that one. All right. 